0: this episode of the Aquarius podcast is sponsored by aquarium co-op Corey and the team at aquarium co-op have redefined the tropical fish and plant buying experience aquarium co-op provides incredibly healthy fish gorgeous plants and top quality lights food and accessories at competitive prices so how do i know this well i'm fortunate enough to call them my local fish store where i've purchased many of the aforementioned items now you may not live in the greater seattle area but that shouldn't stop you from checking them out pay close attention listeners of this podcast can get five percent off aquariumcoop.com orders by using the promo code aquarist5 at checkout one more time that promo code is aquarist5 and if their retail operation wasn't enough they bring exceptional video content through the aquarium co-op youtube channel i encourage you to check out the instructional how to travel and fish room tour videos and don't forget to hit that subscribe button lastly be sure to share the aquarist podcast with your fish nerd friends now on to the interview Today's date is Tuesday, November 13th, 2018. My guest today is Sean Hale. Sean is a brand manager with Fritz Aquatics, a major brand in our hobby providing water treatment products and additives for both fresh and saltwater aquariums. So Sean, welcome to the Aquarist Podcast.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Ah it's going very good, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join me on the show um and I will say you know right up front that you are the first like major established brand to come onto the Aquarius podcast to talk with me, answer my silly questions, and just share you know your experiences in the hobby and who you guys are with my audience so thank you very much
1: hey that's awesome that's uh I'm sure it's the first of of many, you. Uh, I talked with you at the um, at the show the other day, and I can't imagine people not wanting to get on your show.
0: <laughs> well, thank thank you very much for those kind words, and yeah, you know, we did. Uh, we had this impromptu, you know, both you and I were over at the um, YouTube booth, uh, the Fish Tube booth for Aquatic Experience 2018. Uh, i don't even think we had talked prior i don't even know how it happened it was just like a weird whirlwind thing like rob from flip aquatics came over grabbed me and was like randy you need to get on the live stream and i think you were there and it's like oh you can interview sean and i'm like who's sean and i don't think we had even talked at that point so it was like speed dating but for interviewing and fish
1: <laughs> yeah i feel like considering the circumstances you know it, it went rather well it was a uh... Nice and comfortable. I mean, that's the kind of thing in the fish world. Like, um, if you're a true, like, fish hobbyist, like, you're never concerned about, you know, kind of this om- impromptu thing because it's kind of in your blood. And so, um, I-, I was just excited to, um, to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, excellent, man. And it was definitely a good time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed having our conversation and, you know, knew that you would be somebody that I want to bring on uh, onto my show and share your experiences and all about Fritz Aquatics with my audience. So, uh, Sean, let's go ahead and segue, man. How did you get your start in the hobby?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, my first experience with fish was um, I was with uh, my girlfriend at the time. I was about 16 years old, maybe 15 years old. And uh, she wanted to get an aquarium, and she didn't just want a regular aquarium. She was at a Petco, and she pointed to a mandarin goby, and she was like, "I want that fish." And me, being you know like wanting to you know like be the cool guy of the relationship, and just like, "Oh yeah, I could take care of that fish." I I decided to take on the most challenging fish in the hobby um, at the time, a mandarin goby, because it it eats these little you know copepods and and that, you know, there was no captive bred Mandarin gobies like there are now. It was a wild caught Mandarin and definitely a very challenging experience for me. I was like, dang it. It couldn't have been like a black moor or like a guppy. It had to be this, uh, super crazy hard to keep saltwater fish that you have tons of live rock and, um, definitely was a, um, a challenge to say I had to, I had to take on a part-time job at that Petco to just to pay for the just to pay for everything that I was going to have to buy to take care of this fish, and so kind of launched right in and went right into saltwater, and so it took me a long time to even to to dabble in freshwater because I was too busy trying to uh, to establish myself in the saltwater world to take care of this one little fish.
0: That's awesome, yeah. When we talked, you didn't even uh, you never said that you got a part-time job at that Petco to help out to pay with your uh, newfound addiction.
1: Yeah, I sure did. It took me like three weeks to be, uh, become the, uh, aquatics, uh, director of that store just because, uh, I was so excited about it and they just kind of loved the, uh, loved the dedication to it. And so, uh, a little embarrassing that, I was the aquatics director of that location in only three short weeks, but or not maybe not director but manager um, of the uh, of the location. So, but uh, it, it turned out well.
0: That's so. a cool sounding title. There's nothing wrong with that. You were the aquatics director <laughs> slash aquatics manager. So, no nothing wrong with that.
1: So then, I might have cleaned it up. I probably wasn't director, but manager. <laughs>
0: assistant. No, you were assistant to the aquatics director, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, we can believe that I was. So, then let, so. let's
0: let's talk about your freshwater experience and what kind of freshwater tanks have you had
1: so my first uh freshwater aquarium was in one of my apartments when i had like six tanks and i was on the second floor and i had you know i was just had no business getting a sixth aquarium but i saw a um it was a uh i was working at dallas north aquarium at the time which is a which is a very large uh aquarium store and um in Dallas, and, um, you know, we, I think they do, you know, four to five million dollars in annual sales of just a, just fish. And so very, very large. I think one of the largest in the South, Side of the United States. And somebody brought in this really cool, like saltwater looking fish to me at the time. And it was a, um, it was a red severum. And I really wanted that fish. And so I built an aquarium just for the red severum and, um, kept it and I think a a sixty gallon tank and uh I called it scrunchy. It was a it was a cool fish. And so that was my very first freshwater aquarium. I put a little Easter Island head in there and a bunch of plants and that was my introduction to the freshwater side. So and I, re- I quickly realized that the Severn was not going to go with the plants because he ripped every single one of them out. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was going to say that's uh, that's, that's <laughs> not the best combination there. Now, when you say Easter Island head, are you just trying to disguise and say uh, instead of saying Squidward's house?
1: <laughs> yeah, Squidward's house. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, what the pineapple? Uh, right? Isn't that what is uh, Squidward's house? I, I, yeah, I guess that was that is the Easter Island head or what Tiki head or whatever that is. Uh, no, it was actually when that got real popular when the Easter Island heads came out and. I, uh, I, I put that in there because I thought it was kind of like, you know, uh, very freshwater themed like. So no, I, and I got a bunch of plants and obviously he ripped them all up and I, I quickly realized that, that that wasn't going to work and got some, got some other types of rocks and lace rock and decorated it all up and, uh, some Pacoda stone and it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say that and I have zero evidence to back this up, but this is just from my keyboard surfing on forums and, you know, Reddit aquariums and all of that fun stuff that the um, while there there most definitely is a an increase in the number of people that are very interested in keeping a biotope aquarium, I think that the tasteful decorations are starting to make a comeback. Like I really think that people um, putting in you know, not so much just like your, you know, your Roman bubbling Colosseum or your pirate ship that bubbles. But I, I see more and more pictures of people tastefully putting decorations back into the aquarium. And a lot of times they're going in in a very nicely planted tank. But then you'll have like one or two, you know, kind of nice, nice decorations. I think the, the sitting Buddha, the meditating Buddha is a very safe choice. But um, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I don't know if you share that experience with me or not. But that's just kind of what I'm seeing out there.
1: Definitely, you know, me being a, um, you know, brand manager for manufacturing, I'm always going into stores and I'm seeing that kind of pop back up inside the stores. And I think it's, I think it's cool because, you know, one of my most exciting, you know, I worked at um, Dallas North Aquarium. I say I worked at Petco for a couple of years. Then I took on like my my official real first fish store job at the uh, Dallas North Aquarium when I was about maybe 19 or 20. Um, and um, the 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 the, mo- the coolest part of the and in, in the entire experience is like when a kid comes in there he's super excited about setting up a 10 or a 20 gallon 30 gallon aquarium and his face just lights up and he's just i mean this is this is the greatest thing in the world to this young shit uh, young child and i i think that that's what is the coolest part of the hobby to me. And they love that stuff. They love, I mean, we, we, when you become a professional hobbyist, you, you kind of pull away from that stuff because you feel like, oh, I'm a professional now. I don't have to have, you know, all this gadgety stuff. I want a real natural scape. And that's fun and all, but I feel like, uh, you know, that, that, that looks good, but you know, it, I like the decorations and, you know, I try to integrate those into my aquarium here and there just to remind me kind of the fun aspect of, of the hobby, I mean, I know that the guys over at the Aquascapers Collective will completely cringe hearing me say that, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do, I, I do see that popping back up.
0: You know, I will stand in solidarity with you on that one, Sean. And if my son, who's two years old, and you and I, we we connected a little bit on our on our families, and you know, we we both have families that are kind of mirroring each other in terms of um, age and whatnot. But if my two-year-old son, you know, as he gets older if he starts taking more and more of an interest, like he already loves to go feed the puffer fish. He knows that my puffer's named Poe, and he points at him and says, Poe, and he wants to feed him a shrimp, or he wants to feed him a snail, and he actually wants to put the shrimp in the tank. If that kid, if we're at Petco, and he's like, Dad, I want that Roman Coliseum in Poe's tank, Poe is getting a Roman Coliseum in his tank. Like, I don't care. Like It's in there. <laughs> I may have to move some valesanaria. I may have to move a piece of driftwood with some java Java fern on it. I may have to move a crypt that I know is going to melt and never come back for the next, you know, three or four months, whatever it's going to do. But if my son wants a decoration in one of the tanks, in all of the tanks, we're probably going to start putting some decorations in. And I know for sure if when, you know, I'm going to try to get a fish tank into his room, If he wants glowfish, if he wants like save, you know, short of having Thunderdome in one of his tanks where all the fish are just killing each other like crazy, my boy's going to get whatever he wants if it's in the aquatics hobby, except for saltwater because, you know, saltwater, we just can't, we just can't go down that rabbit hole right now. But anything, (laughs) anything in the freshwater realm, like my little guy's going to get it and I'm going to do whatever I can to, to just nurture the, you know, the inner little aquarist that's in him.
1: That's exactly where it's at. I mean, just to keep them excited. And so, and you know, even, even some of the older hobbyists, uh, are doing those, you know, my last freshwater aquarium, it was, um, aquaplanterium, right? Uh, well, that's what, that's what DAS called it. Dutch Aquarium Systems over here in Waxahachie, which is, we're lucky enough here in Dallas to have two very big tank manufacturers here, um, uh, Planet Aquariums and, um, Dutch aquarium systems, and, and Dutch aquarium systems has been making aquariums for thirty-something years, and um, they made this one tank called the Aqua which is like what you know, like kind of this paludarium where it's it's halfway up with water, and then it's plants all out in the back. And uh, in that tank, I, I I kept a couple of those huts, um, you know, where you put the ple- the, the go in there, and they're like these clay huts. And so, and that's, that's not natural, but the, the Plecosimus love it. I had like some gold nugget plecos that would live inside the hut. Have you ever had those?
0: Not gold mega uh, gold plecos, but I do have bristlenose plecos.
1: Right. And uh, do you get them in those huts where they, they go inside and they live in, in the hut? Like with the, with the clay marbled top? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so those are completely man-made. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, even, even us adults have, have toys in our aquarium.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough, Sean. All right, so let's talk about Fritz Aquatics. So, why don't you tell the people if they don't already know who Fritz Aquatics is, um, give us the uh, give us the backstory.
1: So Fritz um, is a company that started in 1956. Um, it's actually a um, chemical and engineering company for many industries so it's um, you know it's just a team full of microbiologists and biochemists that make products across you know six or seven different industries including uh, aquatics aquaculture um, wastewater treatment municipalities um, agriculture um, even some oil field um, production and you know, the, the owner of this company, when he, he, you know, he was a chemist himself, his name was Fritz Wiesen, he loved aquariums. And even though we were servicing big, uh, big industries like oilfield at the time, he wanted to do aquatics. And it was just as big of a focus for Fritz when the company began, um, as the oilfield side. And so, um, we really started getting strong into aquatics in the early seventies. And we were the first uh, manufacturer in the industry, uh, to produce, um, nitrifying bacteria, uh, which is true, true nitrosomonas and nitrobacter and nitrococcus bacteria that would cycle out an aquarium. Um, and it just kind of rolled on from there. I mean, we were doing water conditioners and, uh, sludge, sludge degrading bacteria, which is a bacillus based bacteria, uh, medications and anything that, uh, Really, Mister um, Reasoned at the time uh, could uh, could get our um, scientists to make for the aquarium industry.
0: At your headquarters, are there like any pictures throwing it back to you know when he hit any of his aquariums and is there anything like that in the halls of the Fritz Aquarium or Fritz Aquatics uh, corporate all headquarters? Over the place. Oh, really? Yes,
1: all over the place, all over the place. There's these posters and you know like old pictures of like discus discus and things like that. Like you know, I don't know if you. Um, ever seen some of the uh, stainless steel trimmed out aquariums, right? The metaframes. Um, the what?
0: Metaframes, I think they're called. Yeah, or that's one of the yeah, brands at least. So
1: we had a line of those. Fritz did back in the day, and so there's even aquariums that say Fritz that are those. Um, I guess these these steel or metatrimmed aquariums. Um, and you know, we even had like you know decos and even those castles, like the you know like the, the castles that you see that they sell. Um, at the, at the stores that sometimes are like 40, 50 bucks for a castle. You're like, wow, that's a really expensive toy to put in your aquarium. Um, we sold those castles back in the day. So there's a lot of little castles and stuff. Um, everything that we produce for the aquarium industry, we've, we've got, you know, kind of hanging around. It's a, I mean, we have a 1.1 million square foot production facility in Mesquite and in Greenville, Texas. Um, and even uh, a facility out in Houston, Texas. And that stuff is is just kind of sitting around here and there in the corners.
0: So. Wow, that's so cool! I mean, a couple things. One is that you know Fritz Aquatics. It's not just. I mean, obviously the the Aquatics division, kind of self explanatory in the name, but that the larger parent company. You know, you guys have a, a hand in so many different industries that are you know from a from a just like a market cap perspective are massive compared to like home hobbyists. You know, we think of, you know, we see your products like, Oh, Fritz Aquatics. Okay. You know, that's, that's their product that they sell in our market. But you know, the, the value of what you do in these other industries is probably astronomical compared to the, uh, aquatics portion. And that's not to downplay the importance of it, but it's just really cool to know that, you know, you guys are, are rooted in other industries as well.
1: Yeah, it does give us, I mean, it gives them an advantage and a disadvantage. Um, the advantage and the cool aspect of it is, you know, we're an ISO 9001 compliant facility, um, which gives a, a ton of credibility when you grab a Fitch product to know that the level of quality control and production that went into not only the development of this product, but also the um, – the research and analysis of you know shelf life, um, what is uh, you know the the the, the protocols, the, the standard operating procedures of producing this product, and then there's a QC uh, quality control department that goes through and checks each one of these, and then retain samples of every single product and batch created are kept for three years, just in case something was to be like reported by a customer that you know this doesn't match what I've normally gotten before, uh, we can go back to that retained sample. And we actually have, you know, ICP machines, um and MP machines, uh microwave plasma machines, uh where we can go back and reverse engineer and look at the you know, the way that the you know, like down to the one billionth uh uh you know uh parts per our parts per billion of what this what's inside of this uh what's what's inside of this product. And so I think that gives us a ton of cool equipment that If we were just an aquatics company, we wouldn't have. But then on the flip side, because there's all these, you know, extra, um, standard SOPs that we have to do extra, you know, T crossing and I dotting. It really takes me a long time to have flexible production. I'm not able to just be like, Oh, that's a need for the industry. I can quickly get that product made up because there's so, it takes so long to make sure that, that, that this product is not going to do anything that it, we didn't intend for it to do.
0: Yeah, and to go back, so I know what ISO 9001 is, but why don't you go ahead and tell our audience that maybe they're not as ingrained in manufacturing as you and I are. Uh, high level, what's ISO 9001?
1: So high level, it's just it's just a, it's a standard of, of, of manufacturing that's very difficult to achieve. And this ISO uh, certification um, is, is highly sought after in the, in the manufacturing, and it, and it just kind of gives you like a certificate of credibility that you're going through all the checks and balances of, of being able to obtain this certification. And a lot of people just decide not to do it because they feel like it's just too rigorous and it impedes their, again, flexibility and production. Um, but when you do have it, it does give you that credibility that, Hey, you can trust this brand that they're, you know, they're going through what this, you know, ISO feels like, um, uh, you know, is, is the, the top standard of production. So that's, that's, that's as high level as I can get with that. And you know, even me, I don't, I don't understand all the intricacies with it. I just know that it's, uh, it's definitely something that we worked very hard to achieve it for it
0: yeah no i think you did an, an excellent job you know another way for the audience to kind of grasp iso 9001 is that you have to you have to have a, a dedicated army of people that are committed to quality that are committed to excellence and everything that they do uh the amount of documentation Uh, The amount of process, you know, standardization, the ability to repeat a process over and over um, and to go back into your records and just, you know, uh, like you said, know what it is that you actually produced, um, you know, is kind of another way also to look at ISO 9001. So as we're about to put something into our tank that is in a bottle that we're supposed to just inherently trust you know when you look for a company or when you when you have the product from a company that is ISO 9001 certified which for me and thinking about from my experience I would never have guessed that a company would have ISO 9001 that deals with water conditioners that I'm going to put in my aquarium like you know it 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 makes sense as we kind of talk about it out loud, but I think just directionally, you know, this kind of product, I wouldn't necessarily associate that high level of standard, that high level of operational excellence to. So I think that's something awesome that, that Fritz obviously is able to say that we have, we work for, um, and we maintain it. So it's not like it's just something that you get and then you can slack off. Like you actually have to be able to maintain it.
1: Exactly. And it just wouldn't be feasibly kind of affordable, for someone that's just uh, servicing the aquarium industry, because the the profitability, uh, the market size, um, you you probably couldn't uh, uh, have a team dedicated to that level of of production and you know reporting. Um, just to 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 service the aquarium industry. I mean, it's possible, but it's, it would be very rare.
0: So that is an awesome segue, Sean. I didn't even have to pay you for that segue. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's talk about what are some of your other customers that are outside of the home aquarist uh, market that you can share with us to really lend some more credibility and a better understanding of who Fritz is.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we 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 um, service a lot of professional facilities and worldwide attraction. Um, one of them, you know, with our salt, we, we got into salt manufacturing, you know, a number of years ago, but, um, the, really what kind of took us another direction with salt manufacturing is that we did a six million gallon water change for Disney's Epcot Center, and they had a particular, uh, blend that they wanted us to make for them. Um, because of their research in house, looking at heavy metals inside of, um, inside of raw materials for the aquarium. And they felt like the more water changes that they were doing with out of the box mixes, um, the higher their, their heavy metals were going. And so they had a particular blend that they want us to make since we make salt in house and we have two professional raw material buyers that sit there and buy, you know, source and buy raw materials from all over the world. We were able to bring in tons of samples of different products that we could then ICP and show them the the quality of the raw material and then go and make their custom mix. And that once we did all that research with them and did that 6 million gallon water change with them, that's when I started taking salt a lot more seriously and saying, well, a lot of research has already been done. We've already sourced the cleanest raw material that we could find to satisfy this giant organization. Um, Why don't we make our RPM salt? And that's kind of where we Started getting into saltwater big time about five years ago. Before that, not a lot of people would associate Fritz with saltwater. It was just we've made a very limited amount of saltwater products, and so that kind of got us started five years ago. Other manufacturers or other um, um, worldwide attractions or um, public aquariums that that we service is we just do we we did just did the Odyssey Aquarium over in Arizona, the one where you kind of walk down underwater. Um, we cycled that entire facility out with our uh, Turbostart nitrifying bacteria. And we also did all of their saltwater. Um, we do all the aquarium sea life around the world. So we just did the China Aquarium Sea Life. Uh, we just did um, the London uh, Sea Life Aquarium over there. Um, so we do a number uh, of different professional facilities all over the world.
0: So that is fantastic, man. So if ever again there was, you know, a, a need to have some street cred or to to share your credentials, I mean, a six million gallon water change uh, for Disney—that—that that seems like something I put pretty high up on the resume.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I, you know, I, I I joined Fritz right when we were in the middle of getting that going, and that was just like what did it for me to see that they were working with big names like that. I mean, growing up in Dallas. Um, you know, I heard of Fritz and, you know, I just I just didn't like it wasn't really that popular in the retail world. Like Fritz was just like uh, they just they didn't have the right packaging. They didn't have the right marketing message. And I think they made tons of quality uh, products. Like we were even private labeling Mardell at the time. And I did not know it. I was selling their products every day at Dallas North Aquarium. And I didn't know that those were Fritz products being made you know, 15 miles from me because we were private labeling it for Mardell and we were private labeling, you know, like products like, uh, Amquel for Aquion or not Aquion, um, sorry, excuse me, Amquell for, um, Cordon. Um, and so we we're doing a number of products, you know, the stuff we were making, uh, AP products, uh, not API, but aquarium products. Um, and when I got there, I realized how big this facility was, how big their, their capacity was. And really all they needed was some, some understanding of what the consumer um, wanted and how to market to that consumer to really let their own personal Fritz Aquatics brand take off. And that's kind of what I came to help them do.
0: That's awesome, man. And now I'm really going to have to go in debt because I feel like you just gave me another awesome segue into having you talk about high level, um, some of the freshwater products that are in your guys' portfolio.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's I, I'd be happy to. I mean, um, you know, some of the ones that are the most exciting are, you know, the bacteria is Fritzheim uh, 7, which is a uh, Fritzheim 7 and 700, which Fritzheim 7 is a non-refrigerated version of TurboStart. And it's 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 a, probably the best as far as non-refrigerated bacteria is on the market. I mean, I'm confident that it is because it's true nitrosomonas and nitrobacter. Um, and it doesn't make this outrageous claim that it's going to cycle 400 gallons of water. I mean, a, a 16-ounce bottle cycles. 80 gallons of water. It's very modest. It tells you exactly what it does. It tells you the exact shelf life of only one year. There's so many other products that you'll go into, like, a, a large chain store and I'll be like, this will cycle 500 gallons of water and it has a three year shelf life. And you're just like, how can you, you know, bottle the bacteria that way? And so, um, you know, Fritzheim does a, and Fritz does a very good job of, we, we want you to be successful. So we almost would, um, underestimate the claims of our products just to make sure that you're successful with it. And so a good example would be our Turbo Start 700. We, we, it has, we put on there that it has a four month shelf life, but all of our research shows that it's just as strong for six months, but we'd much rather someone, you know, you know, if they bought it in that, you know, we, we don't want that perchance, you know, if it was mishandled, if they bought it in the fifth and sixth month and it not work and it'd be crucial and they lose fish and that's their first experience with the, uh, with the aquarium world, that that kind of, you know, you, you I've experienced it in the retail store. You know, I didn't want to sell people bacteria at Dallas and the aquarium because we kind of had this, this mentality that, oh, you have to do it this way. You have to wait to cycle out your aquarium for a month. And or if it's solid, you have to use live rock and you still have to wait. What I quickly found is that people would just go and buy fish from the next door because you wouldn't sell them fish. And then they're coming back a week later. Like we rushed, we jumped the gun, typical American. And they go and they 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 just rush into this thing. And, you know, we we want things now. And um, then since they rushed into it, their stuff wasn't set correctly. They started to get disease in their aquarium, and now they've got to, to do a quarantining system or try to get the disease out of their aquarium. And generally, that customer would end up falling out of the tank uh, of the aquarium hobby altogether. And so that's what made me feel a lot better about selling the Turbo Start. Is I I knew I could trust it. It wasn't overrated, and um, my customer I could control. I, I could I could keep them with me. I could satisfy them. I'd give them a bottle of bacteria and be like, here, let's put five fish in this aquarium. And kind of, you know, satisfy their, their need to get started right away and keep them from going to the, the store down the street, and not telling them that they just got in the hobby and buying a bunch of fish and them getting sick. And so bacteria is one of our you know, our cornerstone products up, right? for fresh water.
0: Yeah, and there, there's a couple pieces there that I want to jump in and say. One, from a from a supply chain, from a manufacturing perspective, like I really want people to understand that when you have consumable products that have a shelf life like that, right? Like it's one thing to think, again, you know, f- uh, the food supply chain. Okay, you know, lettuce is going to have a finite shelf life, you know, all of these things that we consume, milk, so on and so forth. Um, but when you apply those same kinds of restrictions to, you know, manufactured goods to um, just things like 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 this, like Fritzgar or, um, you know, Turbostart or uh, the Fritzzyme 7, um, it's a pain in the butt, like it's inherently something that's baked into if you're producing a food product or many other consumables. Um, but when we're talking like for the aquatics hobby, like this is, this is like an extra burden that your company is placing on itself by having such short shelf lives, because what that means is you really have to dial in your production runs, you really have to nail those qu- quantities on your forecasting because you're going to pull, you're going to pull the trigger on an order, you're going to run for whatever that duration is, and then that's all the product you're going to get for a certain period of time, so you really need to make sure you got your quantities correct to satisfy the market and you don't have a bunch of excess. And so again, I'm being very long-winded to say that when you have limited shelf lives on there, that means that you you have a very small window of when you can actually sell this product to a customer or what you've placed on yourself to sell it to a customer and for it to, you know, do what it's supposed to do. And so, you know, you end up exposing yourself to a lot of supply chain risks when you do things like that. So you guys could have taken the easy way out. You could have added those extra months or extra years onto your product, but you didn't. Um, And I think that speaks to a lot of integrity uh, of the Fritz company.
1: Yeah, certainly. I I think, you know, the the bigger pressure on that end is, you know, some chain stores won't even take a look at your product if you don't have a three-year shelf life on it because they don't want to take that risk that you were just talking about of ordering it for all 2,000 of their stores and not being able to move through it um, or, you know, having to have their employees rotate the stock like that. It's just too big of a risk for them. And so a lot of, you know, you know, competitor manufacturers for bacteria, you know, some of them started off with that same type of mentality that we did. And we saw them you know, that slowly change or that they, they created something new about their product that now makes it able to to, uh, to kind of sustain that type of a shelf life. But, you know, we know that bacteria very well. And there's just you know nothing that we've seen or even been able to research about our competitors products that would truly make it be able to, to last that long and be that temperature uh, controlled are um, non-temperature controlled, um, in, in that t- sort of condition. So we really have to sacrifice being able to sell to those chain stores and selling, you know, like you know, thousands and thousands of units to these stores that would really kind of allow us to invest more into our aquatics division because we have those customers, just to kind of keep our integrity there. And what's really cool, though, on our side, we're not as worried about that because. We, we make the bacteria in-house. We don't order that from anywhere else. We, we are the manufacturers of the bacteria. And so if you ever go into Fritz's facility, I'd love to have you come down to Dallas. It's like a brewery when you go into, um, into the, the bacteria production plant. And You can actually go on, you know, YouTube and you, uh, type in Fritz Aquatics and our Turbo Start and you can see kind of where it's made and, uh, kind of the production facility. And it's, it's completely legit when you walk in, you're like, they wouldn't do all this just to, to put a bacteria that doesn't work in a bottle, and so uh, it is very cool to see that. But it gives us flexibility because we can only we can produce to meet our our demand, and we don't have to worry about that ordering of it of, of ahead of time because we can just go get more whenever we want to.
0: All right, so that invitation, man, that's gonna be on the internet, so everybody's gonna hear that you invited <laughs> me down to the Fritz facility. So uh, we... we'd love to have You, come. you would,
1: just, your mind would blow. It's just I never wanted to go work for Fritz just because I didn't think it was a sexy brand. And when I went and uh when I walked to the facility, it just everything changed. It was like, wow, these guys are huge.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm a manufacturing guy. I, I you know, I absolutely love supply chain, I love manufacturing, so uh we're we're gonna connect we're gonna stay connected after this interview uh, interview's done and you know, I'll I think I'm gonna be heading down to Dallas here pretty soon. So I'll be uh I'll be popping into the Fritz facility possibly.
1: Hey, I think you'll love it.
0: So I want to talk about uh, Turbo Start a little bit more. And in full disclaimer, um, you know, before this interview, I knew. So one, I want to say that I want to reiterate again to the audience that I have invited several major brands to come on to this show. Um, Some have either not gotten back to me, or I've gotten kind of a corporate PR response of, you know, we do proper marketing, or we do marketing through proper channels, yada yada yada. Um, You are the first company to come on, and you know, first major brand, and to talk about your product. And so. Um, I I want this to be a platform for Fritz to talk about what their product is. I want this to be a platform for other companies to come on and send their brand representatives and to talk about why they think their product is the best in the market and why a home aquarist should spend their hard-earned money on said product. So so again, thank you very much um, for taking that opportunity. You know, you sent me some Turbo Start because you know you know that I'm starting up a fish room and uh, I am incredibly impulsive and I want to add my fish, which I've already done. And I knew that I'm either gonna have to compensate with massive water changes all the time, or I'm going to need to do something on the bacteria side and do a jump start and maybe move over some old filter media or whatever it may be. Um, But I wanted to go the route of Turbo Start because I'd heard such great things about it. Um, And Fritz was wonderful enough to send me a couple bottles of the Turbo Start. So I've gone ahead and used it super easy to do. And in my experience, you know, it's still going to be a few months before I'm like, yep, I did a turbo start on all of my aquariums. Everything is hunky-dory, but just in the two weeks or however long it's been since I've done it, I have noticed you know, no issues, everything's working fine, fish are normal, parameters are great, and that's exactly what you want. So my assumption is that's going to continue. I have full faith that that's going to continue. Um, so again, thank you very much on that front.
1: Yeah, no, you're welcome. I loved the opportunity. I I was excited that I was going to be able to send you some product to get your uh kind of to test out before you had me on the show, so um it took me a couple of days to get it sent out, but then I was like, "Oh shoot, I gotta send that." and so I, I ran down to production and it was cool. It kind of I was able to go and get you a fresh batch of of bacteria straight from the production facility and take it over to to shipping and send it out and it was done.
0: Yeah, and I love how you said that, you know, when you worked at a retail store or how you sometimes you engage with retail stores and, you know, they don't necessarily want to carry a product that has a shelf life, but to me, they don't, they, they're not really getting who their customers are, like they don't know the market that they serve, the impulsive nature that we all have, the I want it now. Um, and I think, you know, you sharing your stories of, you know, somebody could potentially buy this setup from you. You know, hear all the advice about how your staff is saying, you know, oh, no, you you, you need to wait, you need to wait. But then they go to another store and buy the fish there and just pretend like they just have an aquarium at home and they're just picking up another fish for it. Like we're doing our customers a disservice if we're not just getting them a product that's going to make them be or help them be so much more successful just right at the very onset of their foray into the aquarium hobby.
1: Exactly. You know, once I determined that, once I saw, and it, it, it's a high percentage of customers that would do that, you know, and you would talk to them for hours because you love this hobby. They're going to love this hobby. You're excited to bring them in. It's it's super fun to sell somebody an aquarium and, you know, kind of get them started. And you you just, you're, you're asking them to have this magical piece of equipment in this aquarium, this whole new Ecosystem, this world, um, in in their living room. And then you're telling them, you gotta wait a month to put some fish in there. And it just gets the best of them. And every time, like, I would say, I would say about 60, 70% of the time, they would come back and be like, Hey, don't be mad. I just, I put some fish in there and now they've got ick. And you're like, Ah, now it's in the system. And I, now, now you're gonna have to wait even longer before you do this. And it, it became a very complicated situation for them. And, you know, I I felt like it was, it was, um, a way that the aquarium industry lost uh, new new hobbyists, and, and we desperately need them because the more hobbyists we have, the more we can do as a community. the the the, the more um, the more people doing it, the more people figuring it out, and the more manufacturers that can service them. Because you know, the economy inside the and inside the aquarium world gets bigger, and we can do more of the stuff that we want, and afford some more of the research that we want. More more companies will want to get into it because it's it's profitable for them.
0: Yeah, man, I'm a broken record, man. We get- gotta grow the pie gotta keep, right, gotta keep exactly. growing the pie dude everybody gets to eat more when we grow the pie and everybody you know cooler products better products more products you know for the consumer it's just it's just a win-win-win all around when we grow the pie and get more people into the hobby
1: yeah it just makes our it just makes us you know get better technology so i'm excited to be at fritz because i feel like the um you know it's what part of what my job is, is just to go to my executive team at Fritz and just win these, uh, win these, um, pitches where I go to them like, this is what I want to do for the aquarium Ministry. And, you know, this is, you know, it, it may not seem profitable at first, but this is, this is why I want to do it. And, you know, they have to give me the budget to take on this, you know, project. Like, you know, we're putting, we're, we're researching a lot of different products right now. And so, um, but in order for me to do that, I have to have an industry that's healthy and, you know, and growing.
0: You know, we use the word profitable, and I know sometimes in this day and age we don't we, we kind of shy away of, of saying the word profitable, but in this business, what profitable means is that people are being successful. Fish yeah. are fish are are staying healthier, fish are staying alive in aquariums, people are enjoying them more, plants are flourishing. Like that is another way to translate the word profitable in the aquarium hobby. And so I would I would say in you know, in the context of this conversation that, you know, we shouldn't shy away from using terms like profitable. Obviously you're using it, but for the audience it's like, don't don't take profitable in the wrong context because profitable for a manufacturer in our hobby means that, you know, the fish are doing good, fish are breeding, plants are doing good, plants are propagating. If everybody was just straight killing fish nonstop, that does not equal profitability like that.
1: No, no. <laughs> like, the, the industry would, would start to shrink and it would diminish. And, you know, profitable means, you know, being able to create jobs in the aquarium industry uh, so, that, so that we can, you know, like – we can start to take our passions as a hobbyist and get into it and be with a company that's, that's servicing that industry. I mean, you can't, you can't be a manufacturer if you're not being able to, um to justify or be able to pay for what it takes to create these goods, to make them better, to put the the R&D into it and to, you know, pay for the, pay for the employees that work within the organization. So, you know, I know that it kind of seems like, you know, that, that word kind of seems like, you know, corporate world, but it's it's really just common sense it's really just like hey you know a company's got has to make justification that you know they're at least uh, you know turning you know being able to pay for all their uh, liabilities right
0: Yep, yep. We're, on, we're on the same page there. So Sean, why don't you give me a quick flyby then of the rest of the uh, freshwater portfolio for Fritz then
1: yeah I, we, we do a ton of stuff I, I started to spend so much time on bacteria it is our cornerstone product it is our most popular um, the Mardell line of medications, copper safe, uh, quick cure, marison, two, uh, Maricin plus, marison oxy. Uh, these are your, these are your solid names. These are your staple names for medications in the aquarium industry We even have new herbals like factor shield and paras that, you know, you can't sometimes use an antibiotic or a, um, or formaldehyde or malachite or green based product inside of your, your system, right? Because it's going to start to affect your bacterial loads. So we've even you know we've we've taken some of these uh, some of this research, and we've created products that you can put inside of a freshwater aquarium inside the ecosystem without affecting your, your bacteria levels, your invertebrates, uh, called Parashield and BacterShield Shield, and they're herbal based medications that are used. If you look up the raw materials like neem oil, manuka, limonene, capsaicin, these, um, these, uh, active ingredients are used in cancer treatments, it's used in food grade production facilities as a pesticide, um, or not pesticide, but an insecticide to kind of get the get the insects off of the off of the foods uh, without you know creating a risk for um, the the consumers that are going to going like the humans that are going to take that in one day, and so um, a lot of people would, would kind of shy away from um, herbal based medication because they're like oh it doesn't work it's not an antibiotic, um, but with the FDA getting ever more increasingly tough and stringent with with uh, antibiotics because for some reason humans are taking antibiotics that are created for the fish world because they're cheaper. Um, you know, with that crackdown, you saw amoxicillin disappear. You saw, um, you saw some, you know, versions of, of uh, tetracycline. You've seen, um, you know, like active ingredients disappear off the shelves and people not be able to stay into the medication production for the aquarium industry because some manufacturers were not doing it, uh, doing it right. They were doing it um without, you know quality control and humans were taking these medications and it was causing complications and that's why the FDA cracked down. And so with that FDA crackdown, you have to start to think outside the box. It, it, it sometimes becomes not quite feasible for you to be able to produce medications for the aquarium industry with the aquarium industry size and economics. You just can't produce at a, at a human medical grade um, production. It becomes too expensive. And so um, we do that at Fritz. We do uh, work with the FDA and the EPA. Everything is registered and they walk our facility twice a year and we're able to keep these medications on, but it's quite expensive. And so we're already looking forward to the, to probably the next wave. Where, um, if we can make a more affordable medication as these things start to get expensive because of the cost of producing it at the, at the herbal side and, um, these two medications, but Parasome and Bactasome may not work quite as well as antibiotics, but it's, it's a heck of a, of a, um, substitute good for something that now you can actually use in the entire system. And just think about when you're walking into an aquarium store and maybe this is a new, a new employee and he doesn't quite know his medications. Like, how long did it take you to figure out your medication, right? Like, to know exactly what to kind of prescribe.
0: Oh, you're asking me?
1: Yeah. Like, how long did that take you? It took you a <laughs> oh, while. Oh, right? yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I thought you were just asking a rhetorical question, but absolutely. It, I mean, <laughs> you know, you do right, a I lot, like- you do a ton of research. I mean, you get a lot of conflicting information online. If you're doing forum surfing or wherever you're getting information from, it's it, it's it's a process in and of itself.
1: Right. And so, I mean, even when I was at Dallas North Aquarium, somebody called me the evaporator sometimes because it was a question that I didn't know the answer to, or if I saw it coming, I would just disappear because I didn't, I didn't know the answer to that. I was only three or four years in, um, to, to the aquarium industry when I was at Dallas North, you know, for the first couple of years. And so, um, so only certain people were able to answer those medication questions. And now think of your standard, you know, situation where people go into a Petco or a PetSmart and the turnover inside of those stores sometimes is quite high. And you've got to depend on this person to tell you how to medicate your fish with antibiotics. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of risky for a customer to, to, to get advice from someone that doesn't have that level of experience. And so these, these two medications are a little bit more broad. It's a little bit more safe. You can dose it to the entire system without killing everything. And it may not be as effective, but it, it does give you a better chance. Cause I mean, even think about trying to catch fish out to put into a quarantine system. Think about a 55 gallon aquarium and you've got to catch, you know, a couple of fish out of it. Freshwater or salt water, you're, you, you might kill that fish just trying to get it out of there because you're going to stress it out so much. And so we've kind of looked at these herbal-based medications, things that you can dose the entire system with, and we feel like they have a high effective rate. And so um, th- keep an eye out for those products. Um, and then we have a new product called Fixit coming out um, that's a little bit more uh, safe. It's a violet-based um, medication. Um, so the medications we have we have water conditioners like complete and guard and um, ACCR which are these are different types of water conditioners depending on the type of dechlorination you need and sometimes you're like why do you have three water conditioners but you know there's definitely reasons to have that so
0: yeah and so one of the questions that I asked you during the aquatic experience was you know when should we be adding our water conditioner in Sean's sean the evaporator hail which i'm so glad you told me that that was a nickname that they called you i'm, I'm just gonna call you yeah. the evaporator from now on because that's awesome uh, when you know as a home aquarist i'm doing a water change as i'm going to fill the tank back up when should i be dosing or uh, maybe dosing is the wrong word when should i be um putting in the water conditioner
1: after long thought on this because it was such a good question because you're like whoa that is a good question because i think i think about half the world does it one way and half the world does it the other some people put it right before and some people put it right after i think the best answer is to do it after like after you've filled up the aquarium because you're you're trying to get away from the chlorine's right that's not going to kill things instantly right but you want to know exactly how much to put in there and if you're going to dose it per spec you know this stuff starts to a- activate right away and if you're doing with complete, which is a uh, you know the same uh, you know identical product of Prime, so um, you know that's going to start act you know um, being uh, you know the active ingredient start is going to start to mix into your water right away, and it's looking for chloramines first, and chlorine, and if it doesn't find that, it's going to go after nitrite and nitrate, and if it doesn't find that, it's going to go after oxygen next, and so. Um, if it's taking you a long time to fill up your aquarium and you go ahead and you're, you're half down, you decide to put the, the complete in right then, then you're going to attack the oxygen level with that, um, with that, um, active ingredient and you're going to bring down the oxygen in the aquarium. And so if you're filling up slowly, I'm thinking that that could cause a problem, probably unlikely, but still the safest is to fill it all the way up. The chloramines are likely not going to affect anything in that short period of time. And then you dose it.
0: Ah, oh, Very cool. So your canister filter, your hang on back, your sponge filters, whatever they are, those are off, fill your water up, um, hit it, hit it once you've got you've hit your full level back for the tank, and then yep. kick on your filtration.
1: Yep, that's my final answer. Unless it cool, in hey, a couple of weeks, that, because somebody calls <laughs> and he's like, nope, that's not it." <laughs> no, you know, and honestly,
0: so, I mean, I think this is going to be one of those questions that just goes back and forth. And there's, there's, like you said, there's the two camps. Um, I think we've got a pretty even split of fifty fifty. And you know, it, it is what it is. But I think it's a fun, uh, I think it's a fun topic and a fun question to ask.
1: Right? You know, and you know how I talked about the different types of water conditions. I guess it would depend on which one it is, right? Um, like, I've got a water conditioner that only goes after chloramines. And since it only goes after chlorine and chloramines, it doesn't, it doesn't affect your, your oxygen and your nitrite and your nitrate level. So it's not going to start to work against those, those values immediately. It's just going to, it's just going to sit there and wait to be, to be taken up by, by the chloramine or chlorines that would mix with that active ingredient. So I guess it would depend on which one it is. But I think the safe bet, since so many people, uh, use, um, you know, they don't quite know exactly, uh, what their tap, what's in their tap water conditioner, um, is just to say, you know, at the, at the very end, do it.
0: Yeah. And I just realized, as I said that, um, I framed that as a fun question, which shows just how nerdy we are that we consider, <laughs> when do you add your water conditioner post water change as a fun question? So we have, <laughs> yeah, we we're in deep, man.
1: Are we scaring away the kids in our industry? <laughs> People like us—they're <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh my god, it's that fun! I'm going to go play some video games." <laughs> yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, as long as as long as as you you answer it appropriately right like if you if you've got a stubborn hardcore aquarist who's just die hard on you know one side of the fence and says you're wrong then you know you can kind of be hard back and you know give them a little poo-poo but you know if it's a kid asking the question you know be gentle with them i I mean be gentle and and realize that this is somebody that's new to our hobby and, and and not directly to you but you know just in general as we as we engage people that are new in the hobby you know put on the white gloves understand remember that we are all in that position and more often than not i find myself in that position of a newbie in so many respects as i talk to people all across this hobby um but just know that you know we're we're all we're all hobbyists we all want the best for these fish we all have the same kind of common goal common purpose and um you know just uh, just have that in mind as we engage each other in these kinds of questions and you know people look for feedback
1: Right. Yeah. I think, I, I think you're 100% right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, having that mentality is no good. And, you know, the, the industry is ever, is, is always changing. There's more technology. There's more people getting in the hobby, which again allows more research and, you know, um, uh, kind of as we're getting together on these forums, as we're getting together and talking, we're discovering new things. And so I think I learn something new every day, even though, I'm 34 now. I got in when I was like 15. So it's just like 20 years in the aquarium industry. There's still something new. I mean, it's something as simple as a, as a tap water conditioner question, you know, it starts to stump you for a second. And I think as long as you're transparent about it and you're just, uh, you know, you're looking to just kind of do the best thing for the industry and, and not just make something up. I I think that's best. I mean, it's always tough enough for me because I have to go into an aquarium store and talk to a dealer and say, I've got a bacteria that will instantly cycle your aquarium, and I've got a re-safe medication. (laughs) Just like, some of them are just like, get out of here. You're a snake (laughs) oil salesman, man. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. It's like, oh, no, no, this is legit. We've tested it. (laughs) They're like, hey, just get your magic self out. (laughs) Yeah, so, all right, so let's
0: let's talk about now. I mean, Fritz, you guys, um, it, it, it seems like you're breaking the mold of you know, kind of the traditional, uh, manufacturer in the space. And you guys are being very, very active in the hobby, um, in the social sphere. And, you know, talk to me about Fritz and your involvement in Aquashella and Aquashella 2019.
1: You know, um, I think it just kind of, who doesn't like, I love the hobby, right? So who doesn't want to be a part of it? Like I'm, I can't be, I just cannot fit the mold of like a corporate, um, response, Person that works for a manufacturer that's just gonna come and say, "Hey, we're not interested in getting on your radio station because I'm afraid I might say something wrong. I, mean, I may say something wrong, and if someone calls me on it, I'll I'll be wrong. Um, but I can't resist the part, the the aspect of being a part of the community of the industry because it's so much fun. That's the reason why I decided to dedicate my job to this. I mean, I could have done something else, um, um, but it was fun to be in the aquarium industry. So I'm not gonna take away the fun by not being a part of it as well. And so the coolest part uh, that I've had with with Fritz is not only being able to work with the consumers, but the, my favorite thing um, is is being able to work with Coralfish twelve G, um, George Manbraca, who just kind of started when he was twelve and started doing these videos on YouTube. And I met him at an aquarium show, and he was like, you know, just saying everything that you would love to hear from uh, from a, a a hobbyist perspective—you just love the guy. He's he's completely genuine. He loves the hobby. He wants to dedicate a lot of his time and life to it. And so I told him, like, hey man, as soon as you're ready for a sponsor, I I want to be it um, for your YouTube channel. And he came to me about six months later. He's like, hey man, I want to do some cool stuff. Are you down to sponsor it? And that kind of completely flipped my world around for um for what I kind of kind of what I was doing in the aquarium industry. So we we got together. And we started thinking of ideas, things that he wanted to do. And our very first idea was doing this 50 stores in five days tour, where we got an event like a, a truck and we drove all the way across the country and went to 50 fish stores in five days and filmed the a, entire thing. Um, and that was just the coolest thing for for me to do with George and for him to capture it and film it all and see all the, the consumers. He has over like I think 100,000 subscribers. And a lot of them are young kids and they would come and they would show up at these stores and they would literally be starstruck when he walks in the door um, because of how much they've watched him. And this is the way that young people learn today is they watch YouTube. They listen to podcasts. They don't turn on the TV and sit through the commercials or, you know, watch a, a standard sitcom. They like to watch reality. And the best way to get their information is through live streaming and um, through, uh, through YouTube. And so, this was like a superstar to them, and that kind of really flips my viewpoint of the aquarium industry upside down. Not the aquarium industry, but, but what I was going to do and how I was going to work within it. And so I think that's where I began working with the social media side of the industry and really enjoying it. But then it evolved one day when we were at a Aquarium Show in Chicago called Aquatic Experience where I just met you. And they were letting everybody know they were moving from Chicago to New York. And George is, he lives in Chicago. And he came up to me and he's like, Sean, did you hear that they're moving the show? It's been here for four years. It's been such a strong thing for the community here. They loved it. Let's do our own show. And that's that's been like the golden rule with George is to to never say no to him. Just to take this idea, this out of the box thinking that he's got, and try not to say no and just figure out a way to make it happen. And so I didn't say no, even the even though the better judgment side of me thought, dude, you don't want to do your own aquarium show. Think of how much work that was, and uh, or would be. And I just said, okay. And we got to thinking about it and we found a facility, um, and we, um, we, uh, we, we put the show on and we wanted to do it, uh, with this new way of thinking this, uh, not so much it being like a, a big manufacturer or so, or super salesy, um, or it being just salt water or just coral or just frags or just, just, you know, one part of the industry. We want it to celebrate all aspects of the industry with Aquashella. And so we just tried to do everything we could to make that happen, even including all the aquatic artists that we could find and aquatic YouTubers that we could find to come to the show and making sure that they felt invited, that they didn't have to pay to be a part of it. Because, you know, obviously being an aquatic artist, it would be, you know, quite spendy to buy a, a booth just to kind of show people your art. And it would be quite spendy if you were a YouTuber trying to, to buy a big booth just to talk to people that, that you've, uh, that you kind of made videos for. So we made parts of the show, um, be able to feature those, those parts of the industry. And I felt like it just somehow by some miraculous magic just kind of took off and it was amazing.
0: Yeah. I've heard fantastic things about the show. I've heard from people that have attended that they absolutely loved it. Um, and <clears throat> you know, talking to, to Zach Frank of World Pet Association, you know, uh, I'm going to stick by saying that I I think it was a good move to move the aquatic experience to a different part of Mm -hmm. the country. I hope it it continues to stay in New Jersey for a couple of years because that is a massive, massive metro area. There are so many people that live in that concentrated area that it is, in my opinion, silly to not have an amazing show there. And then I think aquatic experience should move again. Uh, But at the same time, though, the vacuum that aquatic experience left made it possible for now this show right so it's not like we just lost a show right like we gained a show like we gained a show on the east coast and we and we kept a show in the midwest so now we've got two awesome shows well i think there's a couple more but we've got these two shows that we're talking about now when there was just one um and i know and and i just know from a fact that my bus driver i've shared this before my bus driver at aquatic experience was stoked this guy was like, oh, you're going to that fish thing? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, are there going to be shrimp and bettas there? Yeah, there are. And he was stoked that he's going to be able to take his family there. Um, I didn't get a chance to see him there, but there were a ton of people. I'm sure he was and had a great time. And I'm sure he'll go next year, and hopefully he he drags more people there and um, you know solidifies more hobbyists into the hobby or brings more people in. Um, and so what does what Aquashello for 2019 look like?
1: So just to touch on what you said about aquatic experience, I think it's, it's perfect that you said that because there were people like super upset that they moved and, you know, it did, it did open up a vacuum and we did fill that space with Aquashella and that allowed us to kind of, you know, have the opportunity to to give our new ideas to the show and branch our, and, and, and spread our wings out. But aquatic experience, it's, it's a nonprofit organization, right? They, they're they just trying to grow the industry. And so, um, they, it, you know, for people to look at it as you know that you know betrayal to move, um, I think was a bit extreme. And it, it is what they wanted to do. They wanted, they built the Chicago market, and they wanted to go to the New York market. And those guys from the Aquatic Experience were net, were super helpful in helping me get up, set up in, Chica- in Chicago. So there wasn't there wasn't this mentality that they didn't want me to succeed. They wanted me to succeed in Chicago. Um, or excuse me, George and I to succeed in Chicago with Aquashella. So they were a, a, a top-notch organization. I think exactly what they should continue to do is go to these places and share the aquarium industry with people in the most professional way that they can, which is something that they've always been able to pull off. And and then after they've built that up there, they can go to the next market. And so. I do have to say that, that that is one stand-up organization is the aquatic experience, and I really did uh, mold a lot of the f- uh, features of Aquashella after something that I felt like they did successful in their show. So before I went on to Aquashella Dallas, what we're about to do in Texas, I did want to take that that moment just to, to give a shout-out to those guys because they're absolute class X. No, so.
0: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the people from uh, from the organization that I've interacted with, uh, you know, Zach Frank, who was on this show, you know, I, I, again, I, I completely agree with you. So, so Dallas, so let's talk about 2019.
1: Well, so I'm from Dallas, and George is from Chicago. And, you know, obviously a lot of my friends, after seeing – you know, us be able to pull this thing off, you know, for most intents and purposes, there are a lot of things that we could have gotten done better in Chicago, but it was our first flight and we were just going super fast. But, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was success. And now, you know, that we've done it, all my friends in in Texas were like, what? Your hometown is Texas. And and you gave it to, 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 uh, Illinois, um and so i had to satisfy you know my my hometown friends and bring it to dallas which was something that i wanted to do anyways um, and now we're bringing it to dallas so we're going to stay in chicago because we don't want to disappoint the people in chicago and we loved it there and we and they made it possible but then we're also going to come do it in dallas as well um, over at the Dallas Fair Park Convention Center, where they where they hold the Cotton Bowl every year, like as Texas as it can get, like by the Cotton Bowl, by the, I don't know if you've ever seen, it, maybe it's just in Texas, we know about Big Tex, uh, where it's just big, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, Big tech Big Texas. <laughs> so it's literally, only like 50 feet from where big tech stands during the State Fair of Texas, where we're holding the convention.
0: Oh, that, that's awesome. So now again, to go back, we didn't just lose a show, right? So we moved a show, we kept a show, and then we gained now two shows in 2019. Like, how is that not a yeah. win-win-win?
1: It's, it's it's a win for everybody. And so, and then we love the people from Aquatic Experience. We just Again, the only reason we're doing this is because we love the, the, the industry, and we just, we want it to throw a party for the industry our way and invite everyone we thought was the coolest over to the show.
0: So. Oh, awesome. And so Sean, now how, how can people get a hold of or find out more about Fritz and how can they find out more about Aqua Shell? Why don't you leave us with that? And I'll make sure that we've got show notes uh, or links in the show. Okay.
1: Notes. So, uh, fritzaquatics.com, um, www.fritzaquatics.com, um, or www.fritttime.com, um, is a way to get, uh, to, to find out information about Fritz. Um, and, you know, you go to that Fritz Aquatics page and there'll be links to everything that we do and who we sell our products through uh, so that you can find our product. And, uh, you know, research about it. Some of those articles I was talking to you about TurboStart and how it works will be on there where you can see the proof of the nitrification inside big, huge aquaculture farms where they do like, uh, you know, shrimp and things like that. And it's just so much dirtier than, than an aquarium should be. Um, and so you can go and read all those articles there and learn about our products. And then for Aquashella, you just go to, you know, www.aquashella.com, A-Q-U-A. SHELLA dot com, and uh, it'll tell you about our Dallas show, who's coming, and uh, to our Chicago show. Um, so, and you can you can find out all your information there.
0: Awesome! And real quick, what are the dates for those shows?
1: So, uh, Dallas is March 30th and 31st, and um, Chicago is August 17th and 18th.
0: Awesome. So we've got four months to plan for Dallas. So that is, you know, well within striking distance. I mean, Dallas, you're fairly central. So you can get you can get to Dallas on a pretty cheap flight from almost anywhere in the country. So there's really no excuse. Um, You know, book your hotel now before they sell out, Uh, you know, get get that cheaper rate so check out aqua shell i know definitely i'm going to put it on my calendar of things to try to attend um i had a blasted aquatic experience and i can only imagine that you know in-person aqua shell is going to be as awesome as everybody says it is and the fact that you guys are now going to have one show under your belt it's it's going to be you know that much better
1: we hope so i hope just live up to the expectation that we don't trip and fall somehow so if we can just keep this uh this magic going then Hopefully, we can just continue to serve the aquarium industry.
0: So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm so glad to, to finally bring on a major manufacturer to talk about their products and talk about what they're doing in the hobby because um, I think it's really important, right? Like, I, I want to have people that do home breeding. I want to have cichlid guys. I want to have killifish girls. I want to have everybody, and a part of that everybody is the manufacturer. So, again, super grateful that you took time to come on the show.
1: I appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure. It was all mine.
0: Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always. Get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.